Coleman. Hi, I'm your host, Sarita, along with my co-host, Dr. Sylvia Schiffman. Welcome to a Burning Love Moment podcast. We will discuss topics associated with drug abuse and addiction, as well as assist individuals struggling with everyday life issues. This podcast is about helping you move from a place of shame and embarrassment to one of power and boldness through a relationship with God. Get ready to be equipped and empowered to take back control over your destiny. Welcome to a Burning Love Moment. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another podcast of a burning love moment. Today, we have a special guest who will be sharing his journey of being a drug kingpin. He served time in prison and was addicted to drugs, but today his life has been transformed. And my co-host, Dr. Shipman and I, we are grateful that he is willing to be transparent and open up to us and give us the details of his life's journey with being a drug dealer and struggling with drug addiction. This inspiring story will certainly give you hope that your life can change suddenly, which will be the results of fulfilling your purpose and destiny. So you do not want to miss this episode. No, today's conversation is all about hope. And as long as there's life in your body, there is hope. And we are thankful that you are listening. And I pray that if you find yourself or if you know someone who needs to be listening to this podcast, please tell them about our conversation today on life101radio.net so that they can join us. And um, we are just hoping that this conversation will give you encouragement Um, This is going to be an enlightening um, episode of A Burning Love Moment. As we have previously stated, some of our conversations are going to be difficult. It's not going to always be comfortable, but we feel led to address all aspects of drug addiction and recovery. And today's guest story is his truth. You know, this is a no judgment zone. We are not judging anyone, but we will ask questions that will help someone Um, listening out there to transform their lives and to seek treatment for their addiction. Yes, Pastor uh, Sarita, I know uh, our listeners are so excited to hear our wonderful guests. First, we want to make it very, very clear to everyone that Pastor Sarita and I are not uh, psychiatrists or psychologists. We are licensed ministers ordained from God Almighty to bless his people. And we're so grateful that we have this platform to share this great opportunity with you all. Let us all go into a word of prayer. We're just grateful, Father, for all that you do on our behalf and all that you're orchestrating in the lives of the listeners. Uh, Life 101 uh, uh, podcast radio station, we are grateful for everyone that's facilitating these opportunities for the listeners all around the world to partake in everything that you want to transpire and the souls that have an ear to hear what you're saying. Have your way with us all. We thank you for an amazing time that you have orchestrated as we hear the amazing story of Mr. of our special guest. Thank you so much. Yes, this we pray for yes. you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Dr. Shipman, for that beautiful prayer. And as we talked about earlier, there is hope. And we don't want you to ever think that 
there's not hope. There is hope for your situation. And if you are an active user, or if you have a family member or a friend of someone who is using, we know that um, addictions are not easy. They are difficult. And they not only affect the person who's using, but it impacts everyone attached to that person. Now, we know that whenever we see a loved one fall into captivity of drugs and become someone that you don't recognize, that is heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking for mothers and fathers and husbands and wives and sisters and brothers, all family members to see someone that they love struggling with addictions. And we know that um, first and foremost, I recommend turning to God for help because we know that he is the problem solver. He is the way maker and asking him to heal you of your sickness is something that you have to do. But then I highly recommend family addiction support and therapy because um, this can help you lead to permanent healing, not only for the person with the addiction, but also for other family members as well. Absolutely, you're, you're correct. So often our, our actions affect others, either good or bad. So often we overlook that. However, ill acts may cause such pain, disappointment, and resentment, which would need, which need to be addressed. Addiction does affect the family, as you said, Pastor Sarita, and it's great for the entire family to seek family therapy. I recommend that. It's so healthy because other things come out that so often the family members don't even know that you're codependent. Don't even know that you're playing a part in this whole uh, addiction acts. So it's great to have that family therapy. In therapy, you will be amazed how deeply the act of addiction has caused devastating results in family. Mm. We all want to think that it's just the addicts that's been affected by his own action. However, that's not true. And we all know that. Many families' lives in the, is in denial. So often family just in denial. And uh, we overlook all the signs and all the things that's going on and not knowing that you're participating in that act. And we're not address the elephant in the room. That's that mm -hmm. denial part. However, yeah. meaning that things is going wrong in the family and no one wants to talk about it. Well, you must address the elephant in the room. Yes. Why do you think families, Dr. Shipman, why do you think so many families are not willing to address that elephant in the room when they see it and they know it's a problem? Because nobody wants to address that this is a problem. See, it's okay for you to say, yes, yes, yes. Okay, can you buy me this? Can you do this? Can you buy me a case of beer? You know, can you take me around the corner? Everybody know what those loved ones are doing, these acts, but no, no one wants to address that this is a problem. They don't want to be the bad guy. They mm -hmm. don't want to be the one to say, hey, uh, I see you're messing up and you're, you're not trying to correct it, but yet you're aiding that, that addict, you know? Mm -hmm. And people just choose not, it's, it's more, um, if I address the issue, that means that I'm aware of it and I have to, uh, I have to uh, bring change. You know, yeah. it's embarrassing. So they mm -hmm. pretend like everybody's okay. So the family just nine out of 10 say, you know, that's just him. That's just the way he's always been. That's just she, you know, she's mm -hmm. always been that way. You know, that's just the type of child, you know, they kind of dress it up instead of the family coming together and literally trying to uh, bring help 
to that loved one. Now, every family doesn't do that. You do have right. it on the flip side that families do see and will address. Mm -hmm. But, you know, nine out of 10, those families do not want to address that elephant in the room because it's right. going gonna, gonna to be some arguments. It's going to be some things being said. You know, mm -hmm. it's going to be bang, 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 and people don't want to hear it, you know? Right. So anyway, it's... um. It's amazing that we we choose to um, not address the things that will bring health in our lives, but we'll stay in the damage. We'll stay in the condition of damage yeah. and bring good in our lives. It's sad, but it's so true. So that's yeah. that, that's my view on it. Why? And that's just a few. I mean, we can stay here all day and talk about the reason why families. <laughs> Uh, ignore it but that's just the surface right there you know yeah. and, and, and we want those family members to know we know that your disappointment is real we're not trying right. to sweep that under the rug but it doesn't mean that you stop loving that person and it doesn't mean that you're not disappointed with them or embarrassed as you said earlier but um, there are ways of getting help to deal with these issues and these feelings that um, families have, because not only is there help for the addict, there's help for family members as well. So we want to make, make that known to you. And if you want more information, you can reach out to us and we'll definitely get, get you that. Absolutely. And you know what, uh, Pastor Serena, you know, first and foremost, uh, you must be honest about what's taking place in your loved one's life. If you mm -hmm. truly want to be a blessing to your loved one, yeah. Okay, it's great if you have a relationship with the father mm -hmm. and knowing that he can bring healing to you and the family immediately. Yes. If you are willing, however, you must seek help so that the effects of addiction can stop dominating your life and family. You know, yeah. there's many avenues to get help. Just choose one path and begin mm -hmm. there, you know? And we know that addiction is a disease. It is not bad behavior. A lot of times um, individuals who are not familiar with it or th they see the person acting out of character, they feel like it's just bad behavior. But the first step to fully understanding the addiction of a loved one is understanding that addiction is a medical condition. It's not bad behavior or making bad choices. It's not a social problem. It's not a moral problem. It's not a criminal problem. It's a brain problem. And when you know that our loved one is in is doing uh, well physically, we usually try our best to understand why they're not feeling their best mm -hmm. and do whatever we can to make them feel better. That's if our loved ones is not feeling well, right? Right. So what about in the area of addiction? You must take the same tenacity for those that are addicts. We'll run to our aid for our loved ones if they're not feeling well. But when we see the behavior of addiction, we kind of like have a blind eye to it, you know? Not being emotional driven to help that loved one get the help that they need. So you're absolutely right. Yeah, and I also recommend just educating yourself about addiction. Um, dealing with an addict in the family can be emotionally, physically, and not even to mention financially, exhausting. And the best thing that you can do is educate yourself about their addiction, about the traits. You can um, read up on different traits to look out for and the triggers and the red flags. All of these things are very important. And um, it is what would help this person uh, proceed in a successful recovery. 
And just to add to that, don't, do not ignore what's happening. Again, having those blinders on. Mm -hmm. Ask your loved one that's an addict this question. If you were dying, will you want me to help you live or let you die? Just think mm -hmm. on that for a moment. With that being said, are you ready to hear from our special guest? I'm excited myself. Stay yeah. tuned. We'll be right back. Do you feel like you're in the boxing ring of life battling addictions such as drugs or alcohol? Are you struggling and barely holding it together? Listen to A Burning Love Moment every Monday on Life101.net with host Pastor Sarita Jones and co-host Dr. Sylvia Shipman. This podcast addresses many issues associated with drug abuse and addictions while helping you overcome the darkness and despairing your life. With encouragement and guidance, you'll be able to break the chains of addictions and strongholds like never before by reshaping your mindset and transforming your life. Get ready to be empowered to take back control over your destiny with a burning love moment. Welcome back, everyone. Um, if you know someone who should be listening to this podcast, A Burning Love Moment, please tell them about A Burning Love Moment podcast on life101radio.net. We have a special guest with us today, an ex-drug dealer, um, drug user, Ronald Baldwin Sr. He is going to be sharing his struggle and addiction with us. And remember, let your loved ones know that we are being transparent here on A Burning Love Moment and let them know that we have a guest today who is going to be opening up and sharing his truth with us. Our guest was a drug kingpin. He served a total of seven years in prison, a substance abuse survivor whose drug of choice was crack cocaine. Today, he is a husband, a father, an actor, um, an author, and a minister. He is also a retired military veteran. Now, he is involved with numerous groups of um, for empowerment of men, which includes males to men united. He's involved with a reentry program for men coming out of prison, and he's politically active in outreach ministry in the community. Last but not least, our guest today, he is my beloved cousin. Please help us welcome Ronald Baldwin Sr. Ron, thank you so much for being our special guest today, and we're blessed to have you share your story with us on the Burning Love Moment. Absolutely. Pastor Sarita and, and Dr. Sylvia, I'm just so glad to, to be here today to share this moment with, with the world, possibly, and to let them know that, look, you are not alone. You do not have to suffer in silence at all. That's right. That's I'm just right. so glad to share my moment with you, and especially to be able to hear my cousin's sweet, sweet voice. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you. And I love you too. <laughs> well, we know that um, we're going to just dive right on into it. We know that you were addicted to drugs, but before you share about your addiction, we want you to briefly tell us 
about your, your childhood, your upbringing, what was your household like, so that we'll know where to go, because we want you to take us on a journey. So we're going to start there with your childhood, and then we're going to progress on to where you are today. Yes, ma'am. Real briefly, uh, with my childhood, I, I was from a family, a large family. My dad was 30 years in the Navy. Uh, we moved to Pensacola, Florida from Portsmouth, Virginia in 1961 when I was just a little baby, born in 1960, of course. And so I moved to this community called Wedgwood here in Pensacola, beautiful, beautiful Pensacola, Florida, mm -hmm. where um, just, just thinking when I you was doing my introduction, I thought about, I said, man, what's, what is so ironic that both me, so Dr. Pastor Sarita, Dr. Sivia and Pastor Sarita, all three of us was raised in the same community. Yes, yes. Isn't that amazing? That's and now we, come, now we come together to share this burning moment, this burning love moment to release yeah. into the atmosphere something that will save lives and release people from um, this captive style of addiction. Yeah. Yes, yes. So that, that is amazing. And, and Ron, you're, yeah. you're right. We all did grow up in the same neighborhood and around the same things. We came from upstanding families, you know, it, and, and it's not like our parents used drugs. <laughs> and as right. our know, I, I'm, I used to be addicted to crack cocaine, had many warrants issued for my arrest. And, and you're right. We all came from from very good families, but we chose different paths. But I want, we're talking about you today. So we want to hear about, about your yes. childhood. You came from a big, pretty large family, right? Yes, ma'am. My dad, we, we moved in our house, you know, into what we call back in those days, the suburbs, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, and we, we we had a three bedroom home. My dad was, was a hardworking man, of course, in the military. My mom was a housewife where she had to care for four girls and five boys. And nine times know. out of 10, she, yeah, nine times out of 10, she was there alone. Mm. My mother wasn't a driver, so, so she didn't drive cars. So we had to, you know, do things to, uh, together with other families and with people who had cars. And when my dad would come to town, you know, we would, um, we would go different places and do different things, go to the beaches and, and mix with different cultures, you know, um, you know, Caucasian, Black, Spanish, all types of people we will, we will engage in. But my dad will always tell us to be careful and to know that, you know, we are somebody. Yeah. And to, to really look at yourself as somebody. Mm -hmm. And so being in, in one bedroom with five brothers, my sisters had their bedroom, the four girls all bunk beds, of course, mm -hmm. and my dad and mom had their um, um, bedroom. And mm -hmm. of course, we had one bathroom, so you can imagine how that line looked. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So it's, it seems like, well, I know you come from good stock, but some kind of way you were introduced to some type of drugs, some, somewhere you started. So tell us, where did you start? What was your first drug, uh, your first drug that you used, how old you were, if you can remember that, and what that led to? 
Well, because like I said, we're from a big family. My dad would always have his Navy buddies over and stuff. And so if, if my real getting a little, what they call the buzz, getting the buzz started with the um, stealing beer out the cooler and then taking the beer and then stealing a, a cigarette out my dad's cigarette pack. And then also, you know, rolling up a marijuana blunt and going up on the corner with my friends. And we would sit there on the corner while my dad would never down there knowing that mom and dad is occupied, preoccupied. You know, <laughs> I, I always understand an addict is going to make sure someone's preoccupied <laughs> so they can't catch him doing, catch him or her doing what they're doing. So mm-hmm. you, you can see the addicted personality started way back when I was a child. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't, and, and like, like I put in my notes, um, I say addiction. It has patience, mm. it is very clever, mm-hmm. and it can mask itself so well. It masks itself so well, and it can hide itself on a white cloth. That's true. That's and true. And so as I went along, of course, to answer your direct question is to say this. It was in probably at the age of 12 or 13, I started sipping on my beer and, and, and sip, hit a little weed every now and then. That was at the age of about 14. And then I started playing football in, 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 in high school. And um, I didn't do much, but you know, one day before the game, we messed around and smoked something that I hadn't smoked before. And all of us got sick. Of course, we won the game, but the coach wanted to know what what was wrong with us. Really? Why were we all so woozy? Mm-hmm. But of course, they didn't have drug testing during that time. So another way to use your savvy of addiction, your addicted, addictive personalities to you know maneuver through life. And not letting people know or be, and people even being aware of what's going on with you. Hiding behind a mask. Mr. Ron, what was that uh, that everyone got sick sick on? What was what did you got guys in uh yeah? <laughs> we 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 smoked some angel dust. Ooh. Okay. You, we put it in we had put it in a little cigarette. Oh, so you knew it was angel dust. I didn't know what I thought it was we, you know, you for anybody, if your friends, you trust your friends and everybody getting high, and, you know, everybody tonight, you know, all addicts go try everything together. You that's know, true. you know, that's why we go from one drug to another drug to another drug to another drug, because mm-hmm. one drug can can handle that addiction stage at one point, right? And now it increases and it goes from one stage to another thing. And I thank God that I didn't have a double or triple multi um, addictive um, drugs that I used. It was just crack cocaine, of course, mixed with, of course, alcohol. And at the time, alcohol was quote unquote legal, but it's just bad. It it is a gateway to the relaxation to allow Mm -hmm. the temptation of the seduction Yes. Of addiction mm-hmm. to enter unaware. Mm-hmm. That's right. So yeah. you went so Go you ahead. went from the angel dust 
started off with the marijuana, then, then you got introduced unaware with the angel dust. So what, what happened after the angel dust experience that you went to your choice of drugs that kept you, that took you down this barrel? And, uh, with the angel dust experience, I never did that, that again. I, I, I did not like the way it made me feel. Mm -hmm. But when I went and started experiencing other things, like, you know, just smoking a regular marijuana or uh, back in the day, they used to call it um, Reggie, you know, and, and it's just regular weed. Then they had other kind of weed, which, which they would call back in the day, a call a sensimedia. It was yeah. a powerful, powerful weed. Mm -hmm. And it make you choke and stuff. So you had choices to go on what stage, even with the marijuana now, hmm. how far or how high you wanted to get. Right. Or what you could afford to get. Right. Now, when I found out how, treat, how cheap crack cocaine was, I had a three-party. Now, I had the alcohol, the marijuana, and then I had the introduction to the cheap, very reasonable, make me feel good, crack cocaine. Yeah. You know, I always say, and, and, and my advice especially to young people, because that's usually when you start, you know, you're, you're, you have the peer pressure and, and they usually start with the marijuana. I, my recommendation is just say no to it all. Just say no. If you can say no. And I did speak with, with a man once and he told me right there in our neighborhood, he said, if it wasn't for the fact that when he was introduced to crack cocaine, that he chose to say no, his life could have took a different path because his friends that he was with, the ones that said yes, ended up being addicted to different drugs. And because he felt because he said no, at a young age, his life turned out much differently from those who chose to start smoking marijuana. So my suggestion is just say no to it all. But we thank you for sharing for sharing that with us. Now, you went into the military, correct? Correct. Okay, went into the military, you're still smoking weed, you then you come out of the military, you're still smoking weed, you're drinking. What was your life like then at that point? You know, being in in the household you know, not being, have my own place. I still mm -hmm. have my brothers there. Mm -hmm. Of course, um, my older sisters had gotten married. I had my baby sister there. Um, my, my three older sisters were, were gone, married. And then I had my oldest brother, Douglas, there. He was training to be a cop. Mm -hmm. My brother, Daniel, was kicked out the house because of marijuana. He became a successful individual. Because mm -hmm. uh, he changed his life and got away from that stuff. Mm. Like you said, he changed. Right. He was the one that everybody thought would be me. Really? Yeah. Mm. But I'm the middle boy. You're talking about the peer pressure, the one who wanted, you know, you got to show your little brothers that you can look out for them, but then you got to show your bigger brothers that. You capable of looking out for yourself and for your little brothers. So right. you had that pressure. Then you had to prove to your parents mm -hmm. that you was capable of being the man or the young man that they raised. Right. So individually, without unknowing to many of us, a lot of our addiction problems 
are created within our own selves because we create these scenarios of expectation, mm -hmm. never knowing that it's not expected of us. That's right. I, I believe that is so true. Dr. Shipman, do you agree with that? I absolutely agree to it. You know, I always say there's a root cause to everything. You know, I always say the why, W-H-Y. Why do you do what you do? And why did you make the decision? And there's a root cause behind it. And mm -hmm. um, I'm sure you know the root cause behind what took you down that sparrow um, um, lifestyle yeah. yourself. Also, too, a lot of things that we forget, and Pastor Sari, you mentioned it earlier by saying no. Um, so often, the key thing that you described, the first thing that you said was cigarettes. See, people don't know that cigarettes are an addiction, <laughs> a heavy yeah. addiction. With, yes, with, I take my clients, they're in these um, treatment centers, and they will not let go of that cigarette. And I tell yeah. them, everything must go into recovery. Mm -hmm. Because you're still feeding that nicotine. You're still feeling that, you're feeding that addiction. So again, what is the cause of the why? You know, why am I feeling as though I, I have to take this, this substance to make myself feel this or that? You know, why am I using it? If you can get to the why cause, then you can definitely come up out of it. But you have to get to the yeah. why. Go ahead. Yes, I would like to address that why. Mm -hmm. I would like to, excuse me, Dr. Dr. Shipman. Absolutely. I would like to, that's, that's powerful. I would like yeah. to address that why mm -hmm. and why. And as Dr. Sarita, I mean, Pastor Sarita, like you mentioned earlier, you said, well, well, Ron, what was the first thing that you wanted that increased your addiction from when you left your household right. entering into the military? Mm -hmm. And the reason why and the why Dr. Shipman talked about, I want to kind of answer those in, in totality together. Okay. Um, going into the military, first of all, remember I told you, prove to my little brothers, hey, I'm from going to only one out of nine children now, nine children, the only one that said, I put the pressure on me to honor who? My dad. Your dad. Mm -hmm. Now, Across the street, there was Mr. Savage in an army uniform. Mm -hmm. Down the street, there was um, Mr. Dennis in a Marine uniform. Yes. My daddy and Mr. Richardson, this is right, blocks in my community, men that I respected, they were in the Navy uniform. But mm -hmm. boy, did I like the way Mr. Savage wore his army uniform. Mm -hmm. And so... All of my friends, we all decided, say, man, we're going to go in the Army. So we got into the delayed entry program. My anticipation was, and believe me, y'all, this is so sincere, what I'm about to tell you. I anticipated the freedom to let my addiction have its course. Hmm. Oh, hurt. Ooh. So you were more serious about, about that addiction being able to have its way with you than you were about actually serving your country. Look, you 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 are right. Look, when you when you look at military men, what, what they say, they're gonna go to, uh, when they ship come in, what they're doing, drinking beer and having fun mm -hmm. and having the girls, right? Mm -hmm. That's right. So th that's what I was really looking at. I was looking at the the the, the feeding of, 
of my desires within. Hmm. Now, serving country was good, you know, it was good living, it was it was guaranteed money during that time for a young black man going into the um into the military. And and I right. felt like that, that was that was the way I saw how my father lived, but at the same time, I was willing to suffer this powerful for I was willing to suffer for my addiction. In other words, I'm gonna protect it, I die for it. Hmm. And my many mind. people have died for it. How? My, my, my. That is powerful. Yes, I that. was willing to suffer for my addiction. I'm going to explain that. The why. Why, wrong would you be willing to suffer for your addiction? I prepared my entry into the military. What day I was going to go four days after I got out of high school and graduated, I was down in Montgomery, Alabama. I left Montgomery, Alabama. I got, was so happy to get to my duty station so I could have my first pass to go drink me some beer. Hmm. And boy, did I drink me some beer and smoke me some cigarettes. But as Dr. Shipman said regarding the addiction, even with the cigarettes, guess what happened when I hit the first cigarette? Smoke the whole cigarette. Because remember, I told you we had to pass around because we couldn't get many. Right. So so we had to pass around my friend. So he never smoked the whole cigarette. But when I smoked the whole cigarette, I got so dizzy, I was high. Mm, so I said, ooh, I like this. Mm. So I started smoking because the nicotine got me high. Just like the marijuana did. But the marijuana did a little more than the than the nicotine, and then the beer and the marijuana did a little more, and now I wanted something else. And what was that? Crack cocaine. But it oh. came later. It, okay. See, it's patient. Addiction is patient. Right. Well, you know what, Ron? We, we have to take a break right here, but we are going to return. We are so excited to continue to hear about yes, your story and listeners do not go anywhere. We'll be right back. Are you ready to take control of your destiny? Are you in need of a total life transformation? Hi, my name is Dr. Sylvia Shipman, CEO of Jubilee Community Development Corporation and founder of I Am That I Am Seminar Ministries. At Jubilee CDC, we can assist with overcoming the adversity of homelessness, recidivism, alcohol, substance abuse disorder, and so much more. You are worthy of a better life and we want to help you achieve control over your destiny. I offer individualized recovery support services and will help you take back what was stolen. If you're looking for a total life transformation that would allow you to step into your greatness, book a one-on-one -on -one consultation with me at drsylviashipman.com and get ready to embrace your happy, bright, and empowered destiny. This is your Jubilee. Now let's walk in your destiny. Welcome back. I hope you all are finding this conversation with our special guest, Ron Baldwin Jr. Sr. helpful. For those who may uh, be just joining us, Ron is sharing his life story with us. 
a drug dealer, drug user with us. We are being blessed to hear him. Listen to his journey. If it's not for you, but you know someone who should be listening, tell them all about a burning love moment on the podcast, Life 101 Radio Network. It's not too late. Make that dial and let them join in. Hear this amazing story. All right, yeah. Mr. Baldwin, let's join back on in here. I'm so excited to hear the remaining uh, of your story. Um, take us on the point when you came out from the military, because that took you to another level, right? Of your addiction. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Coming out of the military, while in the military, uh, because I was stationed close to, close to Alabama, and I knew I was going to get out, I wanted to go overseas. I went overseas and I came back, of course, but prior to uh, my um, leaving here, I started my drug dealing while I was in the military somewhat by coming to Pensacola, getting um, marijuana and going back to Alabama and serving it to other military servicemen. Mm. At that time, marijuana, you didn't get your analysis tests in the military, so everybody smoked marijuana and everybody drank. Mm -hmm. And you. then I went from drinking beer, beer wasn't good enough, and I went farther into the addiction stage of drinking um, liquor. You know, I started out with clear liquor, and then I went to brown liquor, and then I went to both of them together, and I just went crazy. But the addiction began to take off. Mm. But at the same time, and to answer Dr. Shipman's question, um, after getting out of the military, I, I want to, I would have to mention this regarding my time in the military before I could proceed to, to connect the dots. Mm -hmm. While in the military, I began to feel the adrenaline of addiction mm. and the money too. Mm. Wow. Okay. Now, the money and the addiction. I found a way that. I can look good with the people, masking myself now. Mm -hmm. Come out of the military, look good with the people, mask my addiction, feed my addiction at the same time, sacrifice it for it. That's the sacrifice. Mm. Hold. Who would do that for someone, as Dr. Shipman said earlier, who wants to kill you? Right. Who would support a contract out on their own life. Hmm. Yes. A, a silent bullet that would take your life. And it would bring other things aboard with it. It would mask your feelings. It would, I began to start feeling a lot of pressure, not only to feed my addiction, but to hide it as well. Yes. So we, we know you ended up, you know, getting married. Um, you came out of the military. You were a very successful car salesman. Yes, ma'am. Um, my brother and I, we went into a computer business at first, and we, we were number one um, minority-owned business here in the Pensacola, Florida area. We sold computers. We designed our own computer car. Our computer company was called IPS Systems. Mm -hmm. And Daniel, my brother, who got kicked out the house at the age of 17 for, for smoking marijuana by my dad, <laughs> him and I, the other addict, mm -hmm. now that's one that chose to say, hey, I ain't going to do this. I, I felt the first blow of being kicked out of the house and 
he began to straighten up and he straightened up later on down down the road after being in his after being married for many years and he married his high school sweetheart and they're still married to this day Hmm. and um and and so i started with daniel and that's when i my addiction began to pick up my brother went out of town i had the checkbook my crack cocaine addiction kicked in after all the stuff that was going on with the pressure of being a married man and all this stuff an addict had the tendency to take on so much to overwhelm them, to make them feel comfortable to do what they do with their yeah. addiction. Let me ask you a question, please. Now you say you're in business with your brother. He goes out of town. He leaves you with the checkbook. Did, yes. Was he aware that you had a crack cocaine uh, problem? No. My mask was on. Your mask was on. A lot of people wear the mask. And and you never know what someone is dealing with. A lot of people are dealing with different pains and issues on the inside, but you can't see it for the mask that they're wearing. That's why we say you have to be aware of the triggers. If you're not aware of the triggers and the traits of these individuals, you would not know because I had someone to tell me, a very close relative to say, I did not know when you were addicted to crack cocaine. And I told her, I said, because you weren't aware of the traits. I was around you. You were not aware of the traits and what to look out for. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are find themselves in that situation. Pastor Rita, that is so true. Because, you know, I thought at one time that, um, that society was so stupid Mm-hmm. to the fact that pe- they don't even understand that people's around them robbing them or taking from them and they don't understand the traits of those with, that has addictions mm-hmm. and 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 you know later on throughout the years once my addiction progressed after having a checkbook I wrote checks for crack cocaine my brother fired me I left there I went into a treatment center I tried to straighten myself out, but I only went into the treatment center, what I had to do for that, to fix my relationship problems. Hmm. Not, I was sacrificing my disease to go into this, 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 this center to fix my relationship problem, because I had to keep my marriage. Right. I had to make sure mom and daddy still know I wanted to do right. Right. I had to have the family support that, hey, man, you, you're going through something. I understand you're going to be all right. Because an addict can make up any story why they use, oh, she slapped me. Oh, he hurt me. Oh, she mm-hmm. said something to be at work. I'm going to go have, I had a bad day at work. I'm going to go get drunk. Right. <laughs> Find reasons to entertain our addiction, to make sure it is, it has what it needs so not known. So what you're saying, even in treatment, you had your mask still on. Ma'am, my mask was on with doctors and, and, and all type of therapists. You know why? Because mm-hmm. addiction gives you alibis even before they come. Yes. It tells you what to say. Oh, now, remember now, if anybody come and ask you why your eyes red, just tell them you got a headache. Right. It's going to tell you what to say. Your addiction is going to speak to you. Just it's, it's, When it says, I want to hit, you mm-hmm. get up and go get it to hit. That's right. 
You it, slave. It told you mm -hmm. are a slave to that disease. You then are. you have become not controlling it, but it controlling you. But yes. and I want to say this, and I, I want I want to let you peek in on, 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 on anything else, but I had to understand this one thing. Addiction had patience. It also had the opportunity to present itself in times unaware, so suddenly, mm. so suddenly. And it hides itself so well that you begin, like I said, went in with that mask on to the treatment center for the first time. Yeah. I was going in to create a host of codependencies. My mama, my daddy, my sister, my brother, everybody gonna be my codependent. Right. Because they're gonna feel what? Sorry for me. I'm a victim. Mm -hmm. I'm a victim. So mm -hmm. I use everything that I had in my arsenal of deception to protect my disease, a disease that was out to kill me. Mm -hmm. Who does that? Mm -hmm. people with an addiction issue that's right and family and friends we want you to know that these are the issues that those who are addicted to drugs alcohol whatever their addiction is are dealing with they wear that mask mm -hmm. and they are trying to manipulate they will manipulate not try to they will manipulate every possible situation to feed their addiction. Awesome. Now, we know that Mr. Baldwin, as I said earlier, he was a successful car salesman. I want you, I wanted to come out of your own mouth. You were not loaning out cars for drugs while you were working. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I got to say yes. I, I, I work for a new car dealership. I work for a new car dealership and we had what we call a keyboard. And so when I got into my, my large scale of first to feed my addiction because I was spending all my money, you know, I had to take care of my wife, kids, and family. Like I said, I had the mask on. I was a great father. All bills were paid. I made sure my bills were paid. I had a new home. I had a new car. I had everything. I had a great, I was the number one salesman in the whole state of Florida mm. at one time for a dealership. I was selling 20, 25 cars a month. I was probably making about five or $6,000 a month back mm. in the early nineties. Right. I was, I was rolling as they say, mm -hmm. but I was rolling also in mud too. Yes. And you're a mess. That's what you were I'm rolling. I'm a mess. Yes. But boy, 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 look, 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 you know, the older you get, I'm, you know, the more makeup. <laughs> yes, that's true. The older disease gets, it leaves scars. Yes. Bags under your eyes and mm -hmm. loss of weight and, mm -hmm. and all the scars. You have to hide it. Wear big clothes, bigger clothes. Oh, I'm on a diet. Um, right. Uh, how, why are you losing so much? Oh, I, I, I did this and I'm trying this new stuff. All type of things you have to do to lie to protect mm -hmm. your disease. Mm -hmm. and, and, and now, you, you, you in the codependency, you start working to the victim stage. Yes. You know, you know, um, 
why are you late for work, Mr. Baldwin? You know, you got a customer right here, been waiting for you for two hours. Well, um, um, no, ma'am, my, 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 my baby was sick and I was this and I wasn't feeling good this morning. I was throwing up. And yes. Anything, not knowing that you was, you just got in, you had just, get, just got in just in time to change the clothes and get to work, but mm -hmm. still late from my whole night of smoking crack cocaine. Yes. Mm. Oh my goodness. You know, you know it, uh, go, go ahead. It, 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 you know, and, and I'm gonna tell you this, you know, I, I, I didn't share my story and every time I share it, I cry because right. I don't know how I made it. That's right. I really don't know how I made it, but I do know this, I was willing to make it. That's right. And until you decide as an addict that you're tired of dying inside, mm -hmm. you're tired of being lost inside of yourself, uh, nobody knows where you are. You don't even know where you are. You don't even know who you are. Mm -hmm. My, my, my. Well, we know that um, a transformation happened. We know yeah. that God was with you every step of the way. When I, when I share my story with individuals, I always say God is always with you. God was always with you through it all, through all of your mess. Even when you yeah. felt like you were alone, God was <laughs> with you. Yes. So at this moment, we will definitely want to take a moment you gravitate to this amazing story. We're going to be right back to wrap it all up so you can get the full picture of this journey with Mr. Baldwin. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. For the best custom-made jewelry that showcases style and elegance, check out Ken's Jewelry at Morningside Avenue, Scarborough, Ontario. We specialize in modern, contemporary, and vintage styles. All of our designs are crafted with passion, using the most exquisite gemstones and diamonds. Jewelry has no boundaries, so if you can think it, we can make it. Check out Ken's Jewelry at Morningside Avenue, Scarborough. Call us at 416-293-7181. That's 416-293-7181. Ken's Jewelry. Burning love moment. Welcome back, everyone. We are continuing the conversation with our special guest, Ronald Baldwin Sr. He is sharing his mess with us of being addicted to crack cocaine. And now we are approaching the part of the conversation of when a transition took place in his life. Now, Mr. Baldwin, we know that you served a total of seven years in prison. You went to prison. Um, for selling crack cocaine. Can you share a bit of that experience with us, please? Yes, ma'am. Um, as, you, as you said in, your la in the last segment before the commercial, you mentioned about the cars. I was a car salesman. And what I would do, I would, um, to, to feed my habit at times, prior to me becoming um, a higher scale, uh, uh, upper level dealer, during my early years in the car business, I would loan out cars for crack cocaine. I would leave the key behind the tire, tell the guy to come get the car off the lot, mm -hmm. have it back before eight o'clock in the morning because that's the time the dealership opened. Mm -hmm. 
or I will get one that's way back in the back. I know ain't nobody gonna bother to let them have for two days and I give them a bunch of drugs for that. So I, I was making sure that my addiction was squared away without me looking like I was spending money out for drugs. I had money, I had everything I needed, so I didn't look like a crackhead. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I yeah. hid even the financial, see what I tell you, I did everything for my addiction. I made sure that I didn't even let it show up in my budget. Jeez. My Christ. My Christ. My, my Christ. But suddenly, but suddenly, I was out on the lot one day. I had been through so many treatment centers, and this, this is fast forward. And my addiction lasts, lasts for over 25 to 30 years. Um, 25 from from 1982, well, it was way before that, you know, 82 is when I got out of the military, but I'm talking about the progression of it, how I got to this point where I'm selling, I'm selling cars and, and renting them out for drugs and, and um, renting my own personal car out for drugs and people not bringing it back and, and being gone all night and my car have to be to work or whatever, whatever, whatever. But the thing was, Suddenly, something happened. Hmm. Dr. Shipman, mm -hmm. Pastor Serena, something happened. My, my, my. I got tired of the weight. Mm -hmm. Addiction have a heavy weight. Yes, it does. And it carries a nasty smell. Mm. Yes, it does. Hallelujah. Hmm. And the weight was showing you because. Mm. When a person is stressed, you see the face falling, bags under their eyes, the health going bad, because they worry themselves to what? Death. Mm -hmm. I begin to worry myself to death mm -hmm. about trying to protect my disease. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I'm worrying myself to death, and my, my disease is taking me to death. Mm -hmm. So I got death on both sides. Mm -hmm. Wow. And I had one thing in the middle of that with my desire to call on Christ that I learned when I was a child from my mom and dad and Pastor H.C. Calloway was lived right around the corner from you all, Dr. Shipman. Yes, yes. Reverend H.C. Calloway. Mm -hmm. And uh, Reverend H.C. Calloway is still something in me that I always remember. He told me, he said, God is a deliverer and God he is one to forgive because he's always telling me, he said, man, you got to forgive everybody regardless. That's right. That's right. Can you imagine how many people I had to go back to and ask for forgiveness for the <laughs> things that I had done to them? Hmm. Do you know how long of a burden it took upon me hmm. to get it right with my children? My, my relief from my daughter, Crystal, she, she was my oldest girl. Yes. She and I cried in boohoo just three years ago. Mm -hmm. Look, I've been clean. It's been years, but just three years ago, we were able to resolve her pain. Her pain. Wow. Her pain. Mm -hmm. Her pain that I caused her because I was more in love with my addiction than I was with them. Yes. Just the point you talking about that addictions will affect the whole family. And you, you're right. You're saying just that with your daughter. 
that just got healed three yeah. years ago. Just three years ago, we, 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 we had a conversation and she said to me, she said, Dad, at one time I thought that I would never, ever want to be around you again because of what you did to us. Mm-hmm. How you, we had everything and you just let drugs take your life. Yes. We had everything. We had a good family. I had good mama and I wanted my dad and mama together. So all those things in addiction, we give up. Yes. Valuable stuff. Mm-hmm. Families, children, mm-hmm. lives, cars, houses, um, um, careers, um, uh, relationships, everything that has real long-lasting value. Yes. We give it up for a temporary high. Yeah. Come on now. And that that goes to show that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities of darkness, because you were in the chains of a stronghold. Addiction is a stronghold. And that's why we have to go back to the word of God and realize what is happening to those individuals, because they seen you change. They seen your family, your loved ones, your parents, your siblings, they all seen how these drugs affected you. And that's what they do. They change you from the person that you really are to someone that they don't even know or recognize anymore. That you become someone you don't even want to leave your purse down or money down, your wallet down. You, you, you're on your on uh, on your toes because you can't now, you can't trust this individual. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you, your family really and truly suffers. So addiction does not just affect the addict. It affects everyone that is close to you and that you love. That's so true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, um, you know, we really and truly thank you for sharing with us, but I want you to share with us that transformation. What, cha- what happened and what change took place to where you are now an accomplished author. You have a book out there. We want everyone to know about that book and we're going to let you tell them the the name and everything but you're an actor now you're a minister what happened when you trans when you um that transition happened for you Ron? well first of all first of all i i I gave my life to christ i rededicated my life to christ i did i i you know sometimes people think and they put this burden on, on on themselves so many times that they have to be perfect before they come to god Mm-hmm. There's no perfection in God. We 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 thrive for perfection each and every day. Mm-hmm. There is perfection in God, but there's no perfection in the flesh of trying to be perfect for anything or anybody. Right. But we we strive to it to be perfect. Right. So I knew that I could come to God just like I was, sitting in my car, high on crack cocaine, and saying I was tired. Mm-hmm. And so when I said, and, and I'm learned better since then, y'all, I'm going to tell you this. I say, God, do anything you need to do to get me off this stuff. Right. Mm. And the next three days or four days, after crying out to God, yes. my addiction showed up, and so did God. Mm. I had went and bought my crack. I went and bought my crack. Going my regular route. Coming home. Police got behind me. 
I told God to do anything he needed to do. Right. Mm -hmm. So when those blue lights came on, I said, I said to myself, I thought about a conversation with God. I was sincere about my conversation. Yes. And I said to myself, I didn't mean like this, God, but whatever mm. your whatever whatever your will is, let your will be done. And I was so glad I got arrested because I got arrested. I went to jail. I later went into the camp. I later began to minister to the other young men. I was able to stay in that camp. I got favor in the jailhouse camp. God gave me so many people to minister to. I thought I was, I was a pastor then. Mm. God was showing me that the word was in me. That's right. And all I had to do is speak the diction up out of me. Yes. And that he will replace the, 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 the desire of the addiction that I had with his word. And he did, man. And let me tell you something. I went crazy in God. Mm. I was studying every day. I would read scripture. God just, just empowered me. Yeah. Seeking you shall find, knocking the door shall be open unto thee. Yeah. And, 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 and God, I remember God's word. See, you're going to have to know God for his own word and trust yeah. his word in order to do what you have to do in this society because nothing else will stand or protect you from a vicious disease such as this, but the Holy Spirit of God. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's now, true. And I asked for that. I asked for it and I got it. That's so right. I go, I go and get into the jail, get out, closing, show you how I became Austin, how I got out. And and what happened is this the ball of fire experience that mm -hmm. is now on the front of my book. Yes. The, the ball of fire experience. So I'm laying in my bed. And I got out of jail after being busted for a bunch of drugs. This is the year, about a year after I got out of out of this 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 center the first time. Mm -hmm. The addiction still it came back. Yeah. Not, not in the remember I told you the phases. Mm -hmm. Not in the desire to use, but now in the desire to begin to sell. Mm. Oh my god. So mm -hmm. I begin to sell. I get busted, go to jail. I'm in jail, no bond. Get ready to go to church. I'm in the church, trying to rededicate myself back to God now. Right. Because I'd already, I'd rededicated. He sent me to the camp. I'd preach to people. And I got out of camp. I'm doing good, working again. And I'm back in drugs now, selling it to oh make my. money. Mm. Now, to fix all my problems, because I had these codependents, I had to fix these relationships. How right. you fix relationships? How you fix them? With money. Mm. I had to have everybody to like me again. Mm -hmm. So I had to rebuild my relationships. But yeah. I had to have, I had this mask on now, not as an addict, but the drug dealer. Yes. Oh so, so it made me feel a little better about what I was doing, but the addiction was still there. Mm. So what I'm saying to you, Dr. Shipman, Pastor Sarita, is this. The sudden change came when I had that experience of going to jail that time, getting busted with all of them drugs just about a year after my um, camp experience and ministering in the camp. And I come home and I'm laying there in bed 
and I think somebody finna assassinate me for the loss of the drugs. Put it like that. Right. I'm just gonna. I'm thinking I'm gonna get knocked off because I lost all this dope and this money. The police got, and these people know I they ain't gonna get it back, so they are gonna knock me on off. Right. So I feel my cover rolling back in my bed. I'm at home. My wife and kids are gone. You know, I'm a drug. I lost everything. It's just me right. now. Right. Me and God. Yes. I'm laying in my bed. I'm thinking. I feel my cover coming back. I'm lift. I'm ready to hear the sound of a gun go off. But it wasn't. When I turned my head, a ball of fire was shooting down my hallway, and I know it was God because mm. the whole room was was just vibrating. It was it was such a spirit I can't even explain. But I'm gonna say this to you. That experience right there really was the turning point of my life Crazy. when I knew that God will come down and put his hand on me mm. to change me, to better me if I desire to, to do better. And God knew that I was hurting in my addiction. He knew I didn't want to be there in that stage. And he came and delivered me and redeemed me and set me free, allowed my experience to go into a book called yeah. Voices, because I heard many voices mm -hmm. doing that doing that journey. Right. Voices of kids crying for toys. Hmm. Voices of, of a child standing from, from abandoned mother who left her to go get drugs. Right. The voices of a husband looking for his wife. Crazy. The voice of a wife looking for a husband. The voice, the voices of, of, of everything I saw that was out of place and was wrong, mm -hmm. I was able to, God was able to show it to me. And he right. He allowed me to write it in a book of passionate poetry called Voices, The Root of My Rhyme. It is on Amazon. It is a book that will change your life. It's a passionate poetry book. It's based on every part of life, governmental, personal, spiritual, anything you, 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 you can imagine is about is in this book because God showed me the whole picture of what was going in. And now I, I was later married and, and I met a, a beautiful woman that was same neighborhood that I was raised in, my wife, um, she's such a nice, 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 nice woman. And uh, I have I have always known her, but I never met her. I saw her from a distance, but I never went up, went that far around the corner. You know, we was a, a on the floor. You know how we, the rules was. Yes. Okay. And so God was good. And so I, now I'm, I'm just free and happy and, and just, just want to just share my story with many others. What an amazing story you have. And we're so grateful that you have shared it with us, uh, Mr. Baldwin. I know there's so many other nuggets that we did not get, and we're going to hear more on the next round that we have you a part of our podcast. Thank you again for your amazing story. Tell us the name of that book again, and then Sarita going to take us out. Okay, it's called Voices, the Root of My Rhyme. It is on Amazon, and also I'm acting in a in a mini series called Walk a Mile in My Shoes. The premiere release is now available on YouTube. Just type in Walk a Mile in My Shoes premiere release, Avon Moore Entertainment, and you will see the whole entire movie. All right, that is our last words from Mr. Baldwin. I hope you guys gleaned a whole lot from that story and know that everyone in the family needs that support and need that cleansing from that addictive act. 
All right, how you can find me and Sarita? Well, you can always find me on all the social networks, right? Absolutely. Website is drsylviashipman.com. You can follow uh, me, of course, on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And you also can contact me at 877-360-1177. We would love to have you partner with us by giving a donation, of course, to help us end the addiction crisis by changing lives with quality care and commitment. Yes, and thank you so much again, Ron, and for speaking engagements where I share how I overcame the addiction of crack cocaine and having numerous warrants issued for my arrest, please visit our website at burningloveoutreach.org. You can comment on the page. You can submit a prayer request, give a testimony, or even a praise report um, so that we can continue to reach the marginalized. Please partner with us by giving either a one-time donation or become one of our monthly donors. You can like us um, on Facebook, you can find us on Instagram and subscribe to us on YouTube and LinkedIn. And remember, don't give in, don't give out, and don't give up. Please stay tuned to our next episode where we will be um, talking about how to make it through the holidays. We know a lot of people struggle with drug addictions um, when the holiday season seems to approach. And we are at that point now. So we're going to come back with our next episode of A Burning Love Moment talking about how to make it through the holidays. Everyone, thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time. God bless you all. Bye-bye. You wake up in the morning, you're not feeling right The will is gone, can't put up a fight Take a ride Jeez.